Greetings, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I'm Joe Fulgham. Welcome to Viral Welcome to Viral Transmissions, episode number 26. Joining me as usual is Dr. Rob Tarswell. Uh, our guest this week is Sonia Milbrat, a high school teach a high school science teacher in the lower mainland of BC. Uh, she's been with us before. We've now we now know more about what's going on in BC for this school year. So we're going to talk about that uh, after a bit of news. Viral transmissions is supported in part by the BC Humanist Association. Learn more at bchumanist.ca. Uh, so we got a whole bunch of more uh, stuff to discuss. But let's start off as we normally do with the numbers. Numbers they keep on climbing. They really do. Uh, worldwide, we're at twenty eight point nine million cases, nine hundred and twenty two thousand deaths. Uh, it is not going to be too long before we hit uh, a full million deaths. The United States is up to six and a half million cases, 194,000 deaths, and Canada is at 137,000 cases and 9,171 deaths, which is a uh, significantly lower uh, death per capita than, than the U.S. is doing. So hooray, even though we've got a bunch of bad Canadian news, don't we, Rob? We have bad and strange yeah, news. Just... The news tonight is strange. So stick with us. You're going to enjoy the second half of the show. Yeah. So the extra numbers that we've got for our by the numbers section is uh, University of Texas was doing uh, a testing of it, it. Like the way that this tweet that we've got is worded is interesting. Uh, a small portion of its attendees for yesterday's, yesterday's game, brackets, the season ticket holders. Uh, and it's quite shocking. So... So they're like, we're going to test people who come to this game. Season's ticket holders only. You're the only ones whose lives matter, I guess. I don't I don't get it's, that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's Roman Imperial Senate level stuff. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, In the land of the free. So the word is they tested 1,000, or they tested uh, 1,198 people. Yep. Uh, out of that number, 95 tested positive. Yep, seven point nine percent positivity rate. Haha, uh, whoops. Uh, and it's an American college football game, the University yeah. of Texas. I don't know what the stadium capacity there is, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's in the hundred thousand neighborhood, which would be very typical for an American college football stadium. If anyone in the audience knows, uh, let us know. Um, it's going to be some absurdly huge number. So congratulations, University of Texas. Look forward, looking forward to future reporting on your massive uh, coronavirus outbreak. University of Texas. University of Texas, yeah. Uh, here's the, yeah. here, I'll, I'll put but that tweet in if you want to. Yeah, yeah. If anybody wants to kind of go looking for that. Well done, well done. Yeah, go, brutal. Go Longhorns. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Uh, and another note that uh, 16 out of the 20 highest mortality countries for COVID-19 right now, and that's mortality per million capita, are in the Americas. Uh, the thing that really stands out, I'm going to, let me tweet this, put this, oh, yeah, yeah. this Twitter. I'm just going to send the, the, well, actually, let's, I'll share this. Hold on. This is too good to share. Uh, let's. The Western let's, Hemisphere is doing its part to make sure that this disease reaches really all is. corners of the world. So we got this. Um and it's not good. But what really interests me about this one is look at the top two compared to everybody else. Uh, we haven't we haven't focused on this in the show at all. But Ecuador and Bolivia are way ahead of the pack. Like you look at most of these, right? You go into the middle, you know, about the middle, like at 25 or so. We're looking at 1.5 and it goes up yeah. to for, and that goes all the way up to Argentina and Suriname with 4.7. But then Ecuador and Bolivia with. 33.2 and 24.9 deaths per million just like five times the size of the other high ratings uh yeah. and that is just such a i would i would like to hear from an expert why that is happening my guess is that they're probably at the point where their their medical systems have been overrun is what it sounds like to me but Possibly, possibly. We uh, we just aren't going to know, are we? No. Um, ha. Huh. But if anybody has any insights into what's going on in South America, we would uh, we'd, we'd yeah. sure love to hear from you. Uh, um, United States but, holding it at number 17 there in, in the world at 2.2. Yeah, America, it's kind of like the Beatles of the coronavirus. It just doesn't drop out of the top 20. Yeah. It hasn't for months. Well, uh, I don't know if it ever has. It's refusing to do anything about it. Or 
for for uh, I don't know who. Um, I guess nowadays it would be um, MBS. No, wait. What's the what's that really huge Korean boy band right now? <laughs> oh God, I don't know. <laughs> oh, so B B S something. Oh wow! All three of us suck. All three. <laughs> the, the literally the biggest musical act on the planet right now. Yeah. Between the three of us, we can't oh. come up with the, the letters. The, um, the only but, the only thing I know about K-pop are the few uh, K-pop stars who have been on the Genius Game show. Oh, BTS say uh, Ischemia and and okay. uh, Lover. Okay, I have so, read two of the letters. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassing, embarrassing. Uh, the story that everyone's heard about, so we're not going to elaborate too much on that, is in the world was shocked to learn that not only was Trump lying last week, he was lying in February. Uh, but he, for, for whatever reason, admitted he was lying in an interview to Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward, who brought down the Nixon administration. I know, right? Um, it's funny who, who, who gets the truth out of people. The, the, the guy who has the potential to do the most damage is the guy that you decide you're going to confess to. And then he holds on to that information for six months as hundreds, 192,000 people die so that he can put it in his book. Yeah, lots of weird ethical questions going on there. I don't quite know. Uh, that That is a all the rage on Twitter. So if you can't find that story, you should just surrender your internet rights. So we're not going to get too much into that because we're interested in the unexplored dark corners of the coronavirus. That's... Uh, why you guys come here for our sad, sick content. Yeah. Um, now, story number one, we, we've got to switch the focus to students here because um, we've got a teacher on tonight. So a Miami <laughs> University student yeah. admitted that he tested positive for the coronavirus. Let's roll the tape. Table, Milligan Road, Yankee Road, called out on fire by Battalion 110. In the roundabout, causing traffic issues. So, there's a frat house. house. So you probably know why I want to talk to you. Just too many people. Well, do you know what the, the ordinance is? Ten people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you had, how many people live in the house? Eight, eight people here. Okay, so kind of how it reads is if you have eight people in the house, then it means you can really only have two people over. Two over. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we can get everyone it's out. kind of yeah. handcuffed here, you know what I mean? Yeah. How many people are in the house? Like, 10 of them just came by, but they're leaving. They're going somewhere else. So, 20. 20 people inside? Also, listen to how yeah, cops talk to white guys. Right Please. I'm, yeah. I'm going to wait right Please. here. Please. My hands are tied. It's the ordinance. Golly, could you get people out of here? That's how cops talk to me. But, but wait for well, it. Yeah, it looked like there were too many people, and you had music going. So, yeah. Well, let's see. It's. Uh, Can I have your ID, partner? I don't want to jump ahead. We're going to watch the whole thing just so we get to it. Also, kind of how it reads is anybody that's here participating and or hosting, I can I can cite with the mass gathering. And it's a $500 fine. And then the university is going to find out about it. And that's probably going to be your real problem. We'd rather not do that. <laughs> We'd rather not do that. The law is optional. Where's he going? So. Okay, sit tight for me, okay? All right, everybody, what do you think is going to happen when he runs this guy's ID? What do you think? What do you think the cop's going to find? I don't have chat up because this is full screen right now, but. Uh, so, he's The suspense it. is killing me. Hey, so. Zach, can you come here? Yeah. Come on, Zach. Let's have a chat. Just going to take a drink of my water here as Zach walks over. There's an in I've never seen this before. There's an input on the computer that you tested positive for COVID? Yes. Oh! It was a week ago. Are you supposed to be quarantining? Yeah, that's why I'm at my house. Do you have other people here and you're positive for COVID? You see the problem? Yeah. I mean, they were honestly all walking by. How many other people have COVID? Everybody has it? And everybody over here has it? He steps back. <laughs> right? Oh, gosh. Again. That's what we're trying to prevent. Yeah, I know. 
We want to keep this I town open. That's why I was staying home. That's why I was staying home and having I know, but there were probably over. seven people, seven or eight people that left your house when you told them to leave. So you're not quarantining if you're mixing with other people. Yeah. So everybody University student. Oh my gosh. Here's your ID back. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Do you have a phone number? Yeah. It's endangering other people's lives. Multiple. Okay, situation's co more complicated lives. than it seems because everybody here has COVID and you guys have people over. That's breaking. That's breaking quarantine. So who all lives here? Okay, I need your guys' identification. Anyway, we got the. Is there are there any more? Uh... Oh. Uh, that that was something yes it is humans are dumb humans are yeah. awful like what the what the f <laughs> i don't have covid and i don't have friends over and if i did i'd have my mask on and we'd be far away from each other like, yeah yeah like the only way i meet friends now is outdoors and we're still wearing masks and far away from each other yeah. or no we one's sit going down. outdoors today I, I just, oh, God damn it. So, yeah, nice little surprise. Yeah. Even the, even the cop. Oh, I've never seen anything like this before, but uh, the computer's telling me you tested positive for the coronavirus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're not surprised by that. Oh, okay. So on to Iowa, where yeah. uh, this, is a, this, is a, this is a callback where... Because um, they're doing it. Somebody suggested at a school district meeting that uh, if if the definition of close contact for the coronavirus is 15 minutes within six feet, we'll just have the students change desks every 14 minutes. Well, by God, they went ahead and are doing it. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, teacher reacts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just can't even imagine. Yeah, the Can't stupid the stupid does not end at students like that that kid. It, it's like I can imagine being told to do that. I just can't imagine how to actually implement that. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Let's all get up and exert ourselves four times an hour. Yeah. That'll so be disruptive. Fine. Oh my god. That'll be fine. Yeah. 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 And and safe. Very safe. Musical deaths. And um, and like you're eventually gonna be near them for 15 minutes anyway. Like they're just arguing, oh, it's only if it's 15 minutes in a row, which I think if you can f just think through how that works, it's obviously not true. Like yeah, the beautiful part is if you get the kids uh, changing every 14 minutes, by the end of the school day, you will have had close contact with everyone in your class. Yeah, well done, Iowa. Yeah. That's let's, fantastic. Let's stir up this pot of toxic soup. Make let's sure make sure it's everybody is within six feet of everyone. So, uh, which leads us to how well has this been doing so far with schools having pretty much just reopened. Some opened early in, uh, in yeah. August. And uh, the answer to that is at least six educators in five states have died after contracting the coronavirus since schools began reopening in early August. Uh, as of the 10th, so uh, two, is, three days ago. This is yeah. as of the 10th. Forbes says they will keep this list updated. Oh, we both put them. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, I already, yeah. There you we go. The we both up. did so, the link. It's fine. So which brings us, so all this good news um, brings us to our guest tonight. Probably Yay. known probably known in class as Ms. Milbrat. So Ms. Yep. Milbrat, <laughs> school's been back in for a week now. And when we last spoke, you were talking about it wasn't even known yet what the shape of the final plan was going to be, the ventilation <laughs> situation, how many kids in the class. So, so fill us in. What, uh, what have they actually implemented, as far as you can see, sort of in your classroom? Right. So um, my school does have ventilation, um, some sort of filtered ventilation um, system because it was updated um, and it seems like there is talk of funding or I think perhaps funding in order to upgrade other systems within uh, the district so I think that that's 
being pushed a lot more by the union and being encouraged to be something to look at because ventilation does seem to be such a significant factor uh, mm. in terms of trying to clear the air. Um, in terms of what the classroom actually looks like, so um, we had two days of orientation without students and then we brought in students for very brief amounts of time on Thursday, Friday, and they were very staggered. So we haven't had a full day with all students all at the school. Mm. Um, but uh, my classes are uh, basically two classes of 25 students. Um, they've split us into quadmasters, which was a big thing that a lot of people talked about. I know uh, Alberta had brought that in or that suggestion a lot sooner. I think most schools in the lower mainland, perhaps even in the province, have gone to this quadmaster system. So that means we have four quadmasters instead of two semesters. Um, and we teach two courses, one in the morning and one in the afternoon for 10 weeks straight. And then we have Ooh. to write report cards and move on. Um, so it will be very interesting to see how that actually plays out in terms of educating students in the classroom because it's a three-hour block in the morning. Oh, it is. Wow. So you've got one group of kids. Like, say, How many kids oh, is it? Pardon? How many, in your, how many students in your classroom? So I have 25 students in the morning and 25 students in the afternoon. Uh, some three. of my co-workers huh. have up to 30. Up to 30. Uh, so it looks different depending on if you're teaching um, juniors versus seniors. So my school, we have grades 8 through 12. And they've designated the 8s and 9s as juniors. Um, and what that looks like is they are uh, cohorted, uh, what we are calling learning groups, because I think it optically sounds better, perhaps. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure what the what It the optically sounds better. Is. You call yourself a physicist. <laughs> you know, you got to mix all the senses. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're calling them learning groups. Uh, so the juniors, what has happened is they put them into learning groups of 60. Uh, and so what that means is that in the morning, they are in a, a learning group or a cohort. The idea is that they can have up to 30 in the classroom and be allowed to mix and mingle as, you know, as needed, uh, sans mask. Uh, <laughs> although uh, uh, all of my students, when they came in, all wore masks the entire time they were in my classroom. Good students. So, and I think oh, that was, there's kind of a culture Bravo. of mask wearing, I think, at my school. So I, okay. I'm not sure how that's going to play out when we're in class for three hours straight, but uh, that was good. Uh, the school district provided two masks per student as well because it's required in all hallways, all common areas of the mm -hmm. library, um, things like that. Um, teachers were also provided with two masks, two reusable masks. Um, it seems like face shields will be upon request. <laughs> uh, so there were very, very few available at my school. I had already bought some before there was an announcement that we would get some, before we found out that we might not get some in the mm -hmm. end. <laughs> we, should pulled, so. we should have pulled one up, but there is a $1,000 face shield available from Louis Vuitton. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, with the juniors um, being in cohorts of 60 now um, at, our, at our high school and in our district, and I believe in most districts, they've actually reduced that maximum from what the um, ministry said. Uh, so the juniors, they kind of are all maximum of 30 in one class, and then they will mix perhaps with another class to have 30 go somewhere and 30 go another where. Uh, what that means is they were basically uh, designated all their electives. So it's like you're, you're in this cohort, you get to take dance as your, you know, ADST. You're, uh, and you're in this cohort, so you're going to be taking woodwork. Uh, so mm. that means basically none of their requests were uh. because the cohorting would have been way too complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so and they wanted to keep all the juniors in schools. 
So they are in class three hours in the morning, they're three hours in the afternoon within some 60 mingling um, for this entire, for all four quadmasters. So um, part of that, part of what's required now with that is that grade 10 requirements for prereqs are going to have to change for a lot of these electives and things like that, um, based on the fact that some students aren't going to have the prereqs they wanted um, for, for certain electives. Um, and I mean, they would all be taking the same, uh, core subjects at that level. There's not a lot of, uh, quote unquote streaming or things like that or choice. They take science nine, they take science eight, they take math nine, math eight, that sort of thing. So, um, so that's what happened there. And then with the seniors, they did a really unique thing, but I think it's sort of, uh, something that a lot of schools around at least Canada have brought in, which is this sort of mixed system. So in the morning, the seniors are all in a class full time for three hours. So that's the grade 10s, 11s and 12s. And that is their learning group uh, of that 30. And so what they're trying to do is say, this is your 30 and that's it. So that's their maximum learning group size. So what happens in the afternoon is they have second classes, but because of prereqs to go to university, trade school, etc., they couldn't just dictate their electives in the same way as they did with the juniors. They couldn't keep mm-hmm. them in these cohorts where they were kind of slotted in to where they fit because there were, you know, this person needs chemistry 12, this person needs, I don't know, art Autom- 11, etc. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so what they've done is in the afternoon, they've put them into a class that they requested or require. Um, but they've now done this hybrid thing where only half of the class actually shows up in class. So that would be a maximum of 15. They would be spaced out at least two meters apart and required to wear masks if they come into contact with each other, et cetera. So their afternoon class, they're not actually in their cohort. So all of the physical distancing, et cetera, rules apply in their afternoon class. The other 15 go home and do online learning. So now teachers are required to provide online and in-class kind of at the same time, which has led to a lot of questions around whether or not there's double duty happening or not. But the idea with what the district is trying to do is meet these ministry requirements of cohort sizes, and there's ideas and suggestions on how you can do this without doubling your your work. But um, I only teach juniors this first quarter, so I haven't had to think about how exactly I would manage a weird hybrid system. Just, <laughs> just put your phone on Discord while you're giving your regular thing and point at you and go, deal with it. And then, yeah, yeah do, your, do your thing, I think is what you'd have to do. So, I mean, that is one, one suggestion and one idea of yeah. how teachers are going to get around it is, yeah, uh, stream the lecture. Which, as it's happening. But that makes me then think, do these schools have enough bandwidth for every single teacher who needs to stream out of the school to all the kids' classes, right? Yeah, I'm not sure about that infrastructure, but they, yeah. they've suggested that it's possible. <laughs> what are they doing in terms of testing, coronavirus testing? Uh, so there's no uh, like testing, testing, although they say if you have symptoms, you should be calling 811 and going to get a test if mm. uh, 811 suggests it. Um, in terms of coming into the school uh, for last week, at least, and my understanding is this is moving forward, they're not to step foot in the building. And we manned, personed the doors uh, asking, have you done your health check? And so that was sent home. And the idea is they have five quest- five questions that they have to answer. If they answer yes to any, they can't come to school. So it's, do you have a runny or stuffy nose? Do you have a headache? Do you have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea? Is anyone at home sick? I think I'm missing one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was on our school website and the district website. So they're supposed to do the health check. And as they come in, we say, have you done your health check? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can come in. Uh, they sent the hand sanitizer at the doors, but um, it's sort of a self-reporting self-check and teachers are expected to do the same sort of self-report self-check. Right. Um, so there is no, you know, there's no thermometer scanners at the door. There's uh, yeah, nothing like that. Uh, you know, we're heading into a respiratory virus season. So what happens when you 
when you wake up one morning and have the sniffles? What's what's the backup plan? So the the there's a lot of confusion I think around that because it oh. seems like there's perhaps conflicting information or perhaps just so much information that and teachers have sort of different expectations than perhaps what even is written down and then it gets passed on as folklore um, that everyone seems to think was, you know, mandated and is instead just what everyone sort of assumed or thought. But what it seems like is as soon as you have any sort of symptoms, respiratory symptoms, you should be calling in um, sick, you should be calling it one, you should be going and getting tested and you shouldn't be, um, you know, coming into work if you have any sort of possible symptoms whatsoever. And the same with students, they should be staying home, um, getting work from through online systems, emailing the teacher, that sort of thing. They should be coming in, even if they think it's just allergies or just a cold, um, because you never know when they could have a cold that's symptomatic, but also have COVID that's asymptomatic and then spread it because of their symptoms from something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You're supposed to call in, basically. Yeah, so everyone who is presenting any kind of symptoms should not be coming into the building, uh, which, yeah, leads to a lot of concerns around sick days, around TOCs, that kind of thing. Okay. And do you have, like, a giant battalion of uh, substitute teachers just ready to go at a moment's notice? Uh, so, uh, with the, uh, the TOCs or teachers on call, we are not, there were no extra, uh, teachers hired for this. Uh, we do have some priority TOCs who, uh, they're, they're on call basically every day who should be available to come in Mm -hmm. um but there's concern around whether or not there are enough to meet what perhaps could be very high demand um especially since there has not been like a you know they haven't come in and hired a whole bunch more to perhaps cover what may be a significant number of absences what they have done is taken the tocs and split them into um, quadrants or zones so they're to try to keep them safe they're also only keeping them with it within zones based on uh, either where their home address is if they're full-time TOCs or where their home school is if they're part-time teaching and part-time on call uh, so they're trying to limit spread that way through zoning um, I, I think that kind of assumes that specialties are divided out evenly or distributed geographically, which may become a concern. If I need someone to cover a physics class, for example, I don't know if there's a physics specialty within our zone. <laughs> Last week, I i don't know if I said it on the show, but I came up with what I'm calling my Nanaimo bathtub race theory of school. And for those who don't know, if you're, you know, you're not from around here, every year, a city on Vancouver Island called Nanaimo has bathtub races and you get in the water and you've got to complete a certain course in your bathtub you literally strap an engine an outboard engine to a bathtub yeah and then race yeah a lot of these things sink um a lot like a lot and uh bathtub reef off of nanaimo (laughs) just just a giant growing reef of of sunken sunken bathtubs bathtubs. i don't know so my 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 theory goes like this is that everybody starts out in good faith and the motors are running and they're full of gas but at some point the bathtub starts taking on water and at some point the race is over not because anybody's won but because everybody has sunk and from what you're what you're describing sounds from the outside like a very fragile system with so many potential fault points and really only one of them has to go for this whole thing to cascade and we're all back to like online learning lickety split so is there a disaster contingency so um it's they've kind of told us to plan so in a way such that if we have to go to fully online learning we would be able to. Uh, so what that looks like for our district uh, is we have everything on Microsoft Teams. Our IT people were all supposed to create our Teams this weekend. Uh, I haven't 
looked yet because I try not to work on the weekend. Um, although I do that more than often because I've already checked my email. Um, but yeah, the idea is they've created Microsoft Teams where we'll be uploading assignments, where we'll be uploading basically everything. Okay. Uh, so we're supposed to be able to switch to online learning should the need come about, uh, you know, should phases change or stages, because they call them phases for the province and stages for the school or vice versa. I'm, yeah. yeah, I keep getting confused about the vocabulary and one to sure. five in terms of severity is the opposite for stages versus phases. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Well, yeah. So, it's, uh, so there, uh, is a, there, is a, there is a reserve parachute to go fully online so, once you're, when yeah. your bathtub sinks. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there are some classes I think that are going to be easier than others to yeah. switch over. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how you do woodworking virtually. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> robotics, I, you know, home ec, maybe, but then you're assuming every student has access to certain materials. And I mean, there's a huge <laughs> equity issue there. Do you have a fume yeah. hood, a fume hood at home to do chemistry demonstrations with? <laughs> I don't know over my uh, over my oven. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, I've got the vent. <laughs> yeah. All right, kids, we're just gonna put the copper sulfate now on top of the burner. Ordinarily, oh, usually a Bunsen can... burner, but just a burner on my stove for now. Just imagine smuggling home, yeah, some copper sulfate <laughs> solution or something. <laughs> It's, it's going to be virtual demos, right? And they say, oh, you know, it's the same thing. These, you know, virtual dissections, virtual chem labs. But, like, clicking on a beaker and then it dumps into another beaker is not the same skill. It's no. actually pouring wow. a liquid. Like, it, that sounds you know, like it's... something off, like, the Magic School Bus CD-ROM from the 90s. <laughs> uh, Do you know, kids remember yeah. the CD-ROMs? <laughs> Good old Magic School Bus. Good old My grade magic. nines love it. It's very funny. Anyway, <laughs> it reminds. Well, that's me of... good. It's good because you're going to be using some of that. It reminds, All right. It, it reminds me of that bit in Aliens. How many drops is this for you, Lieutenant? Thirty-eight. Simulated. How many combat drops? Uh, two, including this one. <laughs> oh. okay. Yeah, well. I mean, we can only do our best, right? Yep. If they go virtual, you just kind of. Do what you can, right? Then what you're going to have to do is somebody's going to have to invent a lab where what you do is press a button and that makes a beaker pour into another beaker and humans never have oh, to. Oh, oh, it's been invented. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there. Are, I mean, there's lots of, there's some varying quality of simulations. There's some great <laughs> physics ones. If this Chemistry and biology is, you know, it's tough. It's yeah. tough yeah. to not do hands-on. If Fisher Scientific can overcharge for it, they have invented it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the things that, that actually gave me a little bit of hope here is how much of this is self-reported and how easy that would be to, if you needed some time as a student or a teacher, you could just go, yes, I was very sniffly this morning. I'm sorry, you're going to have to go home. Okay. But then you have to get the test. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I hear it's not pleasant. Neither school. No, I don't know if you've no, heard uh, the, the, the brain tickles are probably not uh, very much fun. But who knows? Maybe we're uh, now that Health Canada backed down and said, OK, maybe we will authorize rapid saliva screening. I think mm -hmm. for something like school environments, that could be mm -hmm. huge. That could mm -hmm. be that could go such a long way to, to removing some of the fragility yeah. from the system that you're just stuck with right now. Yeah, there was a rumor that this these saliva tests were being rolled out somewhere. Yeah, I think in, in Canada. the U.S. Oh, well, in, in the, the US. U.S. for sure. But yeah, and uh, the question before Health Canada was, if these things are available, would you allow individuals to use them? And Health Canada said, no, absolutely not. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And they gave all these just really dumb answers um, relating to, well, people might not understand the results, yada, yada, yada. And it's the same kind of BS when self-administered pregnancy tests were first suggested. And so it's, it's it's the same thing every time, uh, this very paternalistic response toward the public. And, uh, you know, guess what? People do know what to do when they see the two lines on the pregnancy test. It's just fine um, versus just the one line. Yeah. 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 And uh, if you have a coronavirus test that can be that simple, um, it's going to be it's going to be fine. And then in two or three short months after that, there's going to be somebody on the internet who figures out how to play Doom on the coronavirus test. But uh, <laughs> that, 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 that's something I saw on Twitter last Reference. week. Somebody, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody uh, figured out how to play Doom on a pregnancy test. Well, the the uh, original story, he was actually only streaming a video to the screen, but it went viral, and he was like, "No, it's not playing. Do- it's not playing Doom." And then he went, "Fine," and he made it play Doom. I'm just gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna play Doom. I'm gonna play Doom on a pregnancy test. And wow, okay, he did it. So uh, on to other things, uh, sort of fantasy level, since a, a lot of what you're having to work with sounds sort of fantastical, not in the sense of fantastic, um, but in the sense of fantasy. The home of fantasy, Disneyland, is really, uh, they're making the mission real. So workers at Disneyland have revealed that Disney uh, is, is not only underreporting its coronavirus cases, but is clearing coronavirus positive employees to return to work. Um, yeah, so that's a follow up from the, uh, the altered commercial we showed a few weeks back, <laughs> several weeks back now, yeah. uh, of a lot of uh, happy, smiling looking Disney employees saying, come back, welcome. Um, yeah, I, oh, and Cyndaquil adds, someone played Dark Souls on a set of bananas. There is no end to what gamers will do. On a set of, Uh, okay. Well, okay. I've heard of banana keyboards, but never, uh, Dark Souls. Um, oh, uh, Schemiel, a close friend of mine that works in Disney, Florida, told me that's true. He's been out sick, and they keep telling him to come in anyway. Well, that's... That's fantastic. And they're underreporting, and they're also not cross-reporting between groups. So, like, uh, the the unions in there really want to know who of their members have been infected, right? So that they can keep their members, the other members, safe. But yeah. what they're not doing is if somebody in one union gets infected, they are not alerting other unions that that person might work with. Oh they're like God. They're basically going to the bare minimum that they have to and going, okay, legally we have to tell your union. And then they tell it's me it's a plague world after all. I, I say this a, a plague lot. world. After I say all. this a lot about it's all these kinds of things when it comes world. to business and government. We it's very often do stuff like plague Disney did this. World. Disney did that. It's some people at Disney. There are there are signatures on memos that have set this policy. The buck stops somewhere. And I want to start knowing names. I want to stop knowing yeah. that, that people who work at Disney can make these decisions and still have a career down the line because nobody points out it was them because everybody goes, oh, Disney did this. No, some person at Disney did it. Get them. Get them. Tell us who it is. And I don't just mean get them as in chase them with pitchforks and torches in the street, although I'm almost at that point. Speaking of names. Yeah. Hollywood, USA. <laughs> Dateline Hollywood. That's a name. A Hollywood doctor. What's his name? Dr. Uh, Huizenga. Robert Huizenga. Oh, okay. uh, H-U-I-Z-E-N-G-A. Let me put the story in the chat here. Uh, this is just fantastic on so many levels, and we're going to get into all of them. So a story appeared on a preprint archive, and preprint archives are things that we've all learned about in the last six months. Uh, ooh. Our show's been on the air six months. Yeah. This is episode 26. Half 26. a year. Happy half anniversary. <laughs> it's nowhere near so, over. It's nowhere. Save us. <laughs> we we want to stop doing this. Save uh, we, us. Or we don't want to have to do this. Yeah. Could somebody please get a vaccine in my arm. But let's, not that Russian one. Let's do a show um, about COVID. How long could it last? Uh, um, so... So this guy started just going into hospitals and giving patients a, a miracle mixture called NMN. N-M-N for nicotinamide mononucleotide. It's a, uh, what could you call it? It's a supplement. It's basically, it's a miracle food supplement. Uh, and then he, 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 he reported that he had... Uh, dramatic clinical improvement in nine consecutive acute ill elderly COVID-19 patients treated with a nicotinamide mononucleotide cocktail, a retrospective case series. What he didn't disclose is that NMN is sold by his brother (laughs) as a miracle cure. 
his brother, who has um, had previous involvements uh, selling items such as lie-detecting MRI scanners. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. So the, the, the supplement, EGA, is what it's called in its trade name, which is age spelled backwards, sold by Egaceutical. Ega, Egaceutical. Ah, get it? So, and it's sold by his brother, Joel Husinga. And, uh... Famous for the no-lie MRI. <laughs> and um, Dr. H apparently has had previous involvements with uh, celebrity uh, spas. Uh, he's been involved with the L.A. Rams in some capacity. And um, uh, has been offering this miracle, like, b basically Benjamin Button solution. Uh, if you use EGA, the fountain of youth. That's a quote. And so... What he was doing was, like, he didn't have ethics approval for this, literally sneaking into hospitals and forcing this stuff down his patients' throats. Um, when he actually would try to get it added, the hospital staff would be like, well, no, you can't add that. We don't know what that is. We don't know if it's safe. We don't know if it's effective. We're not adding that. And <laughs> he just went ahead and did it anyway. Um, and then had the nerve to put this case series together and publish it on a preprint archive, which is that place where you can publish things. It's a way to get information rapidly to the public without peer review. And they've become a really important source of scientific information. Well, you know, <laughs> the Internet found out about this and you can't actually find the preprint anymore. He yanked it. Um, but... Oh baby, this uh, this thing is out of the bag, and um, I don't know what the latest is because this was September the 11th, and today's the 13th. But a lot can happen in two days when um, the whole world finds out you've been sneaking into hospitals and pouring uh, unknown uh, elixirs down the throats of your patients. So we eagerly await, and my favorite part is that somebody did a screen cap at the very end of uh, any scientific paper you have to submit, you've got to declare your conflicts of interest. And uh, he says, declaration of interest, none to declare. Oh, beautiful. I have lots, but I'm not going to declare them. Yeah, none to declare. <laughs> so, and then he says, um, under his ethical approval, which you also have to disclose, consecutive patients were enrolled in the study after signing written informed consent for study participation. These were really sick elderly adults. And for identified data being reported in a published case series on an over-the-counter food supplement. Thus, this research is exempt under 45 CFR 46.101B4 from all 45 blah, 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 blah. How handy, how handy. Funding, none to declare. Um... Yeah, I have some fantastic. from my brother who wants to sell this bullshit, but I'm not going to declare it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The best part, I mean, one of the there's is one of these little um, chunk from his paper. Um, so the NMN cocktail was begun on the evening of day 12. She was unable to sit up in bed to drink the, co the cocktail. So her nurse called me to say she had held this initial treatment dose. However, I personally came to the hospital, raised the head up of her bed 30 degrees, sat at her bedside while she slowly, over a 30-minute period, sipped the cocktail through a straw. Twelve hours after the initial dose, her oxygen saturation and chest x-ray worsened. However, However her, her absolute lymphocyte count markedly increased from 291 to 540. There's a thing that that uh, that we teach in medical school over and over and over again. And if there's anybody here who's in medical training, you know, I'm going to emphasize it again. You never treat a lab value. You treat a patient. We don't care what your lab values are doing. If you are getting sicker, stop doing the thing. If you are getting better, keep doing the thing. So he gives these two indicators that the patient was getting dramatically sicker, actually ended up in the ICU. Um, but, hey, her white blood cell count improved. Bump, 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 bump. Yeah. Yeah, this guy, lock this guy up. 
take people out of prison uh, for drug related charges and put him in the, in prison in their place. Let's send him to the moon, says Syndic. Well, how about the yeah. sun? Or how about just into the sea? So we don't actually actually have to use any energy yeah. on this. Yeah. Into hey, the sea. Hey, Rob, let's do some science. I have a question, uh, which okay. I thought had an obvious answer. But oh, now yeah. we have some science. Hey, Rob, can kids spread COVID? Because we've been talking about school and stuff, and a lot of people think that kids can't get it or spread it. Well, as a matter of fact... In the uh, Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report last week, or MMWR, which is a very a long-standing publication of the CDC, yeah. there was a study of 12 kids who acquired COVID in child care facilities, and they were followed very carefully. Transmission was documented from these kids to at least 12 of 46 non-facility contacts, confirmed or probable cases. One parent was hospitalized. Transmission was observed from two of three children with confirmed confirmed asymptomatic COVID. So SARS-CoV-2 infections among young children acquired in childcare settings were transmitted to their household members. And at least one parent one parent has been hospitalized from that. Yeah. So yeah. I and this all seems reasonable like it's almost not news cuz like uh, to me, it would be an extraordinary claim to say children can't get and spread it to other people like like even because because the argument about the kids has been it doesn't seem to affect them as badly. But that doesn't yeah. mean that they're not swarming Petri dishes with the disease that would affect me as an older person much, much worse. Right. Like so the whole idea of ah let kids get it, it it's it's just outrageous to me and it's so weird that people still think that's going on and now we yeah. just get again news after news confirming that that's the way that right. it works like right yeah uh, lovely absolutely lovely um so ms milbright reaction to this news yeah. that children can indeed spread the coronavirus to each other and to adults i mean i think that's been huge concern that the union has brought up again and again and it seems like the ministry was arguing that children couldn't carry it or spread it and i don't know if they've changed their their tune or if they're just trying to downplay what could happen but i know there are a significant number of teachers who are really concerned because all the districts can do is meet the ministry guidelines they can't you know make their own mm -hmm rules they have to follow the ministry and so i know a lot like yeah there are a number of older teachers and older teachers on call who you know they were retired and they come back to to help out on occasion when there's a shortage or yeah. you know they are close to retirement age and there's a lot of talk of teachers who are you know looking into their early retirement or trying to get sick leave and medical accommodations and things like that because they are especially the teachers in elementary school really really concerned that you know they're gonna spread covid to them and and so they're mm -hmm. you know we're obviously concerned about our students getting it but we're also concerned about ourselves yeah and the parents and yeah all and of our, our families just, yeah yeah well you can uh, let your shop steward know that September the 11th, 2020, so Friday, this paper came out, Transmission Dynamics of COVID-19 Outbreaks Associated with Child Care Facilities. Salt Lake City, Utah, April, April to July 2020 is the title of the paper. Yeah. So they studied this over several months and indeed directly confirmed that this is in fact happening, um, which is probably pretty important ammunition for, uh, well, the, the, the Nanaimo bathtub race might be even shorter <laughs> yeah I, so, as, as long as they pull out real quick and just get it to online and, and i understand that's got a whole bunch of other problems but the problems aren't potentially fatal. thousands of deaths yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah, so, yeah I, I hope it doesn't take some you know really really terrible things to happen for yeah. changes or you know yeah, reconsideration yeah. of some policies to occur at the ministry level yeah right so let's yeah. uh, we're running out of time, Rob. Let's let's run through the science we've got. So we've got some uh, persistent lung damage and some brain damage here. Uh, articles that we've got. Do you want to go like touch the important parts of this, or is this something we sure. talked about before? 
Well, we're starting to get data now on lung damage, uh, and it seems that individuals with coronavirus who have uh, lung damage, uh, so far it seems to be healing. It doesn't seem to be getting worse. Um, it's not healing particularly quickly, and that healing could, of course, plateau. But now in a 12-week series, uh, looking at a group of with an average age of 61, half of whom were smokers at the time of the diagnosis, this is an Australian group, 20% still exhibiting abnormal lung capacity testing at 12 weeks. That's where they have you breathe into things really hard and really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, 39% subjectively reporting shortness of breath after 12 weeks versus 47% at six weeks. So the trend seems to be improvement, but uh, is that going to flatten out? I mean, 12 weeks, that seems to be kind of a long time. Um, at what point do these changes stop improving we don't know is this sort of Mm -hmm. acute on top of permanent inflammatory changes like Mm -hmm. scarring type changes don't know uh also some new data out last week there was a big question can coronavirus get into the brain Uh, a preprint article came out that seems to show uh yes that indeed the coronavirus can get across the blood-brain barrier and can get directly into uh, tissue, and they've uh, demonstrated this three different ways. Number one, they took postmortem brain samples, kind of ground them up, and went looking for coronavirus and found it in individuals who had the disease and died of COVID. Wow. Second, they exposed previously unexposed mouse models to the coronavirus and found that indeed, when the mice got the coronavirus, they could detect it in their brains. Wow. And the third, uh, using something called organoids, which are little tiny brains that uh, that can be kind of grown on scaffolds in a lab. Uh, it's basically a way to sort of study what might be going on in a brain without actually kind of getting into serious ethical problems. You, you grow little tiny organs that allow you to get a 3D sense of the architecture of the organ of interest. So there are brain organoids that they've been able to demonstrate that they can infect with the uh, coronavirus. This hasn't been peer-reviewed yet, but individuals who've looked at this have said, you know, they've done it very elegantly. This is the way you would do it. So um, we'll see what happens. But right now, there's at least this preliminary evidence that uh, it's there's not just an inflammatory response in the body and in the brain, but the virus itself seems to be able to directly attack the brain. I need my brain. It's one of the few parts of my body that I like. If you have a soul, that's where it lives. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Or uh, like Daniel Dennett said, if you're going to get a heart transplant, you want to receive the heart. But if there's a brain transplant, you want to go with the brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. So it, it actually, so attacks the brain. Does this mean that it passes through the, the blood-brain barrier or is this other? That's, poten- that's right. That's potentially holy, exactly what this means. Holy yes. cow, that's bad. Yeah. That's like, yeah. I don't know a lot, but I know that that's bad, that the blood brain barrier is there for a really important reason. And when things get past it, it is very, very, very bad. My my friend, uh, my friend Josh got um, uh, what's the fungal disease that gets into your brain sometimes from uh, from southern. Which United one, States? man? Uh, uh, fungal oh, ame- brain the amoeba? Uh, amoeba? Uh, fungal meningitis. Or, it's also called. Ah. Uh, uh, cryptococcus, I think, is what he got it from. Oh, oh. So it's just uh, it's just a fungus that you can just breathe in in certain areas of southern United States. He's from California. He's actually like a systems uh, engineer for Disney. And he just on a vacation, like without with his kids, got it. They did, they're not exactly sure exactly where. It got through his blood-brain barrier, and poof, he was just... Like, his brain still doesn't work perfectly. And this was two years ago that it happened to him. And he still sometimes goes, wait, sorry, I had fungus in my brain. Because, like, (laughs) he still has to do that. He's back at work and stuff and is fine. Because, thank goodness, Disney actually has a good uh, medical plan for their employees. But uh, Well, they better. But it it was brutal. Like, he was out. He was useless for a whole year. At wow. least. Yeah. 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 Right. So your brain's important. Don't let don't let fungus or diseases get in there. Uh, should we uh, deny disinformation, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. So, OK. So so that that uh, journal that I talked to you about, MMWR, uh, it's one that kind of had a sudden burst of fame late this week. 
It's a journal that like almost nobody outside of medicine has ever heard of, Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. It's kind of like inside baseball for epidemiologists. It's how they kind of communicate with each other about emerging disease threats around the world. And that's why it comes out once a week so that it can be constant. And even though it's once a week, that paper about kids transmitting coronavirus was released early. So it tries to be extremely current. And we found out that over the last few months, the Trump administration has been attempting behind the scenes to directly alter the content in the journal. Um, Michael Caputo, a Trump campaign official, and his team have attempted to add caveats to the CDC's findings, including an effort to retroactively change agency reports that they said wrongly inflated the risks of COVID-19. Um, and also they wanted to add caveats that should have made clear that Americans sickened by the virus may have been infected because of their own behavior. Now, it's sort of hard to understand. Uh, well, okay, that's that seems bad, right? But you have to understand how important MMWR is. And I kind of wrote a thread about this on, in, on Facebook. In June, June the 5th, 1981, there was a report in MMWR called Pneumocystis Pneumonia Los Angeles. And it was a report of pneumocystis pneumonia, a really rare, weird kind of pneumonia that you can't get unless your immune system's been destroyed. And MMWR, uh, epidemiological scientists noticed, well, we had five cases of pneumocystis pneumonia in gay men in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. all in one month. What's going on? And that was the first scientific evidence that there was a new disease threat that was attacking immune systems seemed to be at that time found primarily in gay men and a year later was when the world finally heard the first evidence or information about the acquired immune deficiency syndrome and then after that the the human immunodeficiency virus was discovered so mmwr is really critical as a place where if when weird things are going on around the world, that's the journal where you can kind of shoot up the red flare and say, hey, I've got something here. I don't know what it means yet. Everybody kind of keep an eye on this. And it was critical in the early identification and characterization of AIDS. And it's been critical in the early identification and characterization of COVID-19, and it's been a primary source of information around the world. Uh, and so now everybody, you know, epidemiology Twitter, medical Twitter is freaking out, and infectious disease Twitter is freaking out that mm -hmm. MMWR may have been compromised politically, uh, and this could have been going on for months. Um, so, like, even, like, Reagan didn't go after MMWR, you know, during the 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 AIDS crisis in in, in America, but um, never let a you know Trump let never let a propaganda opportunity pass that uh, he couldn't stick a finger in or send one of his filthy henchmen's fingers into, and yeah. this seems to be the the latest one. So I mean, the good news here is the whole world has now heard of MMWR, and uh, there has been lots of righteous rage on Twitter and hopefully that uh, gets the goons to back off a bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. We'll see, but it's good that the word is out now. Some, somebody somewhere leaked all these emails back and forth from CDC to the administration saying, you know, change it. We're not changing it. Although there is evidence to suggest that on two, maybe three occasions, there were some wording changes within the journal, Yeah, which is just mind boggling stuff. Wild. Uh, I feel like we should skip straight to our denialist of the week. We don't need our we're 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 already at an hour into the show. All right. Uh, and and the other two, I, I I'm so tired of denialists anyway. I'm willing I'm willing to to skip them and pick our king who is homegrown. Homegrown. Uh, we got a Vancouver denialist for you this week. Today in Vancouver was the Vancouver Freedom Rally. Possibly something you could refer to as the Vancouver temper tantrum rally, where you were basically invited, if you were opposed to anything, come on out and voice your opposition. So there were individuals out there who were opposed, of course, to the coronavirus itself. You know, the COVID-19 is, uh, is fake. Who were opposed to masks. 
Uh, there are individuals out there who are opposed to 5G or, um, you know, the, the new the new Wi-Fi standard or sorry, the new cell standard. Uh, individuals opposed to communism because, of course, uh, and individuals opposed to child sex trafficking. So Q uh, has managed to find its way into Vancouver. Uh, and this wasn't a small rally. This was really huge. The other thing to bear in mind, and this is a little bit of context, because Joe's going to play a little bit of video for you. I, I can't find that video. We don't have it in, our, in our documents. Okay, it's, it's uh, you might have it. You might have it in your. I would have dumped it into your Facebook, right. so you might ch oh, check your messenger. Find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was uh, the West Coast of North America is on fire. In case you haven't heard. And that is not just the United States, but it's Canada. Although, fascinatingly, there's been this conspiracy theory that Antifa is setting these fires. And as proof, they're sending out fire maps showing <laughs> yeah. no fires in Canada. They're American wildfire maps. They don't show Canadian fires. But if you look at Canadian data, which shows all of North America, there are plenty of fires north and south of the border. The border doesn't care about the fires, or the fires don't care about the border. And air quality in Vancouver, briefly, in terms of major cities in the world, yesterday, Vancouver briefly had the worst air quality in the world. And it's slightly better today, but still in the hazardous range. Not necessarily extremely hazardous, but uh, doctors like me say, don't go outside unless you absolutely have to. Limit your exposure. Wear a respirator if you can, like an N95 mask, because these are tiny, tiny particles that will lodge deep in your lungs and a brief exposure is sort of the equivalent of expose, exp, you know, smoking a cigarette. And the longer you stay out there, you're basically like chain smoking all day long. And so... I've got the video. The Freedom Rally marched in that smog. And here's what they had to say. Listen. So we've got Unmask the Truth, Facts Over Fear, New Normal Equals New Fascism. Bill Gates, Antichrist, Freedom with William Wallace, hashtag save the children. Breathe in the fresh air. Your body needs it to function. The air quality index was over 200. It was not safe to be out in this without a respirator. There we go. Fresh air. If you can find it. So the Vancouver Freedom Rally is our denialist of the week. Well done, Vancouver Freedom Rally. Uh, Shame of the city. And I think we are going to skip over the other... Uh, the other... We, oh, yeah, Save these. I, I, I'm gonna skip over uh, the first one, the one that you thought we should skip over. Okay. So okay. instead, oh, hold on. Let me let me do this properly so we don't. So we're gonna right. leave you with our good stuff this week. Uh, this is from Kelly, who you may remember 14 years ago did a did a video called Shoes that went viral. It was one of the first truly viral videos out there. It's our daughter. So we'll show you this, and then we'll it come back to sign off. Pandemic yeah. for her to call her parents. Are you guys like okay and stuff? We're fine. Never been better. We just don't like to be in the same room. We've been social distancing for decades. Kelly, I want to say something. Okay. When you were growing up, I was pretty harsh on you. And I gave your brother all the breaks. <sighs> I'm realizing now you deserved better. You deserved my support and you didn't get it, and I'm sorry. Whore. What did you say? Nothing. Okay, so someone said whore. Yeah, it was mom, mom said it. What I'm trying to say is, will you stop all the clinking in there? Hi, mother, grandma. Kelly, I love you, and I miss you. Excuse me. Dad, come back. That was 
beautiful. He read a book and now he thinks he's awoke. New topic. Why are you such a loser? Mom, you don't get to talk to me that way. I am not a loser. I am not a whore. I am strong. I am beautiful. I am Kelly. Deal with that. Deal with that. Now, I'm gonna go get a new outfit because I've been wearing the same thing for 15 years. What is that, a mask? Yeah, it's a mask and it's rad. If I hear another thing about a mask, I'm gonna lose it. Just go f yourself, Mom. <laughs> Masks. Masks. Let's wear a mask. Let's wear a mask. Let's wear a mask. Let's wear a mask. These masks rule. This mask sucks. This mask rules. This mask sucks! Let's wear a mask. Let's party. Wear a mask. Mother Grandma, you don't drink through it. Huh? <laughs> Let's wear a mask. Nice. Let's wear a mask. Good advice. That was our good stuff of the week. Uh, I'll post that link in case anybody wants it. There we go. I have not seen the hand washing video by Jewel. I will go check it out. It might be our, our good stuff of the week next week. Uh, Sonia Milbratz, thanks so much for coming uh, out this week uh, and for all that information about how terrifying school is right now. Uh, this yeah, was well, the, this thanks was, for having me on. This is the <laughs> horror movie that nobody ever wrote, <laughs> right? Like, that that there, there have been outbreak nobody's movies. writing still. There have been outbreak movies, but have they ever really been about how terrible it is to just try to live through an outbreak worried that I guess that's what zombie movies are. I don't know. If there is such a movie, it's probably French and it's just got long, <laughs> slow scenes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the long, dark discontent of my COVID soul. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll see you all next week, everybody. Thanks for watching. Uh, quite a bit of you there this week. It's great. Thanks so much. Uh, remember to yeah. spread the word about this show, not the virus. Wear a mask, wash your hands, practice social distancing. Uh, st st stay in well-ventilated spaces or outdoors. and all, You know all of it because you're watching, I hope. Uh, we love you. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Yeah.